This is the Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. It is the Anfield Wrap, City Talk 105.9. Neil Atkinson looking at John Gibbons, looking at Mike Nevin, and behind me coming on in part two is Paul Tahaney from Africa. Oh, yeah, we're made up to have him in here. We're going to be talking about that fantastic festival that takes place in mid-June in uh, Sefton Park in part two. There's going to be loads of serious stuff coming out and there's going to be transfer stuff, if you can call that serious, I don't think you can, but there's going to be endless transfer talk, there's going to be endless talk of season reviews and all that sort of nonsense. We're going to be doing it on the Anfield Wrap and everyone's doing it all over the place, but this is one last chance to reminisce. Take one, fresh and stolen and tender kiss. Gibbo, had one wonderful year of bliss. We will uh, <laughs> go all out here on the Anfield Wrap. And what we're going to do is we're going to do mine, yours and, uh, and Mike Nevin's top 20 moments of this season, which I'm really excited about. Uh, there's, there's so many that have bubbled under, it's ridiculous. Uh, but the other part of this is we're going to uh, obviously do the opening question. And today is the anniversary when Liverpool won against um, Alaves in Dortmund. And it was fantastic. They won 5-4 and everyone won in the square and somehow everyone who was there seemingly managed to have a pint with uh, with Eric Meyer. So my question is, next time Liverpool taste European glory, which player similar to sort of Eric Meyer would you like to have that pint with Mike Nevin? I'm going for uh, Glenn Hussein, purely because he's bound to have loads of nice women around him. <laughs> it's that straightforward. It's, it's that straightforward, yeah. The Silver Fox. Another Silver Fox. Another Silver Fox. <laughs> it could be, you could be out silvering each other. You don't want to get tense with him. And, and yeah, I think he's probably older than me as well, which is bad for Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> but was an ex-footballer. Well, he's an ex-footballer. Uh, John Gibbons. S- similar note, really. I'm going for Begard Hegem. Oh, that's a belter. Yeah, good lad. I always think Scandinavians are good people to go on the airway because they get excited about how cheap it is. <laughs> and, uh, and, and aren't shy you go in the bar. So, um, so, yeah, I'm going for Vegard Hagen. Very, very good. I'm, I, I actually had two because I thought I was convinced you'd go for one or the other of them. Uh, first one's Titi Kamara. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Titi would be fabulous in these circumstances. And the other one is Antonio Nunes. <laughs> uh, he plays on the right wing. Um, it would be absolutely fantastic. Either of those turning up. I'd, I'd like to ask Antonio exactly what was going through his head when he came on against Chelsea as part of a time-wasting circumstance in the, uh, in, in the semi-final in 2004-05. And all that was happening was his eyes were rolling back in his head <laughs> as though he couldn't believe what was happening around him. Scored um, a goal in a cup final for us, though, didn't he? Yeah. Scored a goal in a cup final. Great, great in the air. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to be said for it. So we're going to do our moments of the season. We're going to do part one, 20 to 11 uh, in part one. Then we're going to talk to Paul uh, about the festival. And then in part two, we're going to, uh, we're going to do 10 down to one. So um, our first one, I'm going to let you all introduce them one at a time. John, you can introduce number 20. I feel like it should have a jingle, but we only just decided we were doing it. It's about two o'clock today. <laughs> like yeah, like everything we do. Number twenty is uh, Suarez's header against West Brom at home. What a header that was! It was. Yeah, I tried to recreate it on Sunday and nearly dislocated my shoulder. But, uh, <laughs> Without a football, I it was. It was like it's, it's one of them fantastically old school headers that your dad used to claim me and St John used to score, and you and you kind of didn't really believe him. Like no one used to score headers from there. Dad, shut up. Yeah, it was the, it was the, the ball dis- used to weigh half a ton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably wouldn't have scored it with the old ball, but it was the curl on it, wasn't it, that made it absolutely ridiculous. Now I'm not sure that he actually. Meant to put the curl on it, but given the fact that it was Suarez, maybe you can just give him the benefit of the doubt. He just felt he was going to swerve it in. Nice assist from Ali C as well. It's a great goal. It's a, it's a fantastic goal. It was one of the that was and that was the same day I think when he was that the day or was that Crystal Palace when he scored the mad goal where he was on the floor and sort of scrambled that it over the line. Palace. That was Palace. He scored. Yeah. The, he'd already scored the one where he well he not makes someone, but that could be any of them, couldn't it? But it suddenly, yeah. suddenly opens up for him and he hits it dead early. It's, that was that one that day. That, so Suarez is headed against West Brom is our number twenty in our moments of the season. Uh, number nineteen, Mike. 
So that's uh, Flanagan absolutely smashing, careering into Roberto Soldado at 4-0 up against Spurs. I mean, as if Soldado hasn't had a bad a bad enough season as it was. And then, you know, the 4-0 down against Liverpool and there's Flanagan absolutely battering into him. And the best thing about it, John, is he doesn't even let on. Doesn't do a thank you. The lad's down, he needs the treatment, all this sort of stuff. At no point does John Flanagan even think, I'm going to go over and check if he's all right. As far as I'm concerned, I have broken him. We are 4-0 up and this is what victory tastes like. Yeah, I um, I bumped into John Flanagan um, after a game recently and I um, only saw him very briefly and asked him if Saldado had found his legs yet. And he thought that was very funny. But I was quite pleased with himself because that's the normally that, that's a line you think of afterwards, isn't it? Like, should have asked him that, should have asked him that. But luckily I thought of it on the spot. So that's just me being pleased with myself, that section. <laughs> it's a fact. I mean, that game, I thought that crystallised that game, to be honest with you, Mike. It really was that. I mean, I think it's often a cliche in football. I think it's very rare one team actually does want it more than another. It's the sort of thing that's easy to say and, and, and a lot tougher to quantify. But that day, Liverpool absolutely wanted to demonstrate to Spurs exactly how much better than them they were. And it all came to that moment. Yeah, I mean, not, you know, we'd had the 5 0 against them earlier in the season as well, away from home. And. Um, I think Liverpool were, you know, Liverpool were riding the crest of the wave at the time, and then that was the first of the, the the coach welcomes that the fans did for the for the team. Or actually, it might have been the second Sunderland one. Sunderland was the first one midweek, but um, yeah, I mean, as I say, that was you know it was a high point of Liverpool season, and you know, conversely for Spurs, it was a moment of realization <laughs> that they were an awful long way behind Liverpool, and you know that's something that they've got to bear in mind for next season. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it very much is that, isn't it, John? Liverpool have crushed them, and but it was this idea that we're not even going to we're not even going to tolerate you getting the ball in the area for a, for a second here. I'm not, we're not standing for this, and that, that's what Flanagan did. It showed the hunger in the team really, and it showed the determination to, that they all have, and, and the professionalism really. You know, they could have kind of tailored off and, and you know they had you know they had the game won but you know it just really symbolized what was what was good about us this year. I think year. the other thing that you know it was also like an expression of, of Flanagan's growing belief at that time as well. I mean he'd, he'd had a great sort of three months in the first team had showed an awful lot more on the ball <laughs> than, than people had given him credit for before he first came into the side back in uh, December I think uh, or November rather and uh, as I say I think that was you know that was the point where he sort of demonstrated, you know, I'm, I'm here to stay, basically, as part of this Liverpool squad. OK, then, next one, John. Is my one this? Number it's, 18. It's, yeah, it's 18. It's, it's, it's Miguel and Torrey after Villa away. This was the, the second game, and I, I just always remember as a moment that could the, all the players came over to the away, uh, the away fans and, and clapped them, and then Torrey came second to last, and, you know, he, he'd had a fantastic start to his career, and everyone loved him at that point. I mean, it didn't quite work out for him over the year, but at that point, everyone was like, well, we're just not going to conceive with this guy, and he, and he was one of the ones who seemed to believe first that we could, you know, make make a title challenge and, and kind of good on him for that, and he seemed to be just really enjoying himself, and then Miglay came over, and the the, the crowd just kind of like took off really again and yeah. give give him this huge cheer. I mean, he'd been the hero the week before against Stoke. He kept another clean sheet, and he just had this big grin on his face that I'll always remember. That this is brilliant. Playing for Liverpool is brilliant, and you always kind of hope that these lads think it's brilliant to play for Liverpool. And at that point, he really looked like this was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I remember that. Uh, I remember the moment particularly well because, um, and I think the fact that there were two new lads in the yeah. team as you as you're making out there and. None of their sort of depression that's, you know, pretty much, um, uh, you know, sort of gone with the previous seasons that we, we've had, you know, coming seventh and eighth and everything. And Torrey felt like a human shield from that depression at that time. You know, the, all the darkness, everything that had been going on, he felt like a walking human shield. He wasn't going to tolerate it coming in. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he, he'd had a great game against Stoke on the opening day um, when I, th- I think he had a goal. Did he have goal disallowed early on or he hit the underside of the bar? He hit the bar, yeah. Um, 
and he'd made a big impression at that point. And I think that you know we we were plugging into the fact that he was a league winner, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with, with his previous club, and we needed someone like that in the dressing room. Certainly in the early phases of the season, I think that did have a positive impact. Uh, and just in relation to the specific, you know, uh, the, the the way that the, t- the team came over to the fans, I remember texting my dad straight after the final whistle um, and just saying saying to him, we'll win this league. I was nearly right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OK, the next one down, uh, Mike Nevin, number 17. So this is uh, Suarez's goal against Cardiff, the first one. It is first, and Liverpool's against Cardiff. I think, for me, more than anything, I mean, it's nowhere near... Um, one of his most spectacular goals of the season. But what it signified was the way that we'd gone a goal down. We were rattled, we, we were rocking theoretically. We were, we were all over the place defensively, but you, the, the, the team sort of looked as though it had a way of working it out, as it, as it had done on several occasions throughout the season. Remember West Ham at home, we'd had about 35 minutes of sort of patient probing and we eventually broke them down. And I think by that stage of the season, you know, we were conceding more goals, we have been a bit more adventurous going forward, but... Having ridden the storm, it was just a matter of time before Liverpool's patience, passing, pulling them from side to side, would eventually result in a goal. And in its construction, it was a, it was an absolutely beautiful goal, albeit less spectacular than some of the other ones he scored this season. It beautiful is the word, isn't it, Johnny? Just, they just pull, they push, they probe, they go here, we go there, we're going to find it. Finally, Coutinho plays the nice little ball to Henderson. Henderson plays the sublime ball to Johnson. Johnson does everything right, and there's Suarez. It's 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 the sort of goal that you you know you 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 idolise if you do it on a computer game let alone in real life <laughs> you do and it kind of shows that people have, there's been a lot of talk next season about next season or how everyone's kind of going to park the bus and, and Liverpool are going to have to find new answers but I think there's been plenty of times this season when we've shown we have them when we've shown we've got the patience yeah if you know famously didn't work out against Chelsea when you know when we kind of lost our heads a bit but first of all I think we've shown in other games we can be a lot calmer than that and secondly there's going to be very few teams who are as good and as big as as, as those Chelsea defenders were yeah. and so you know I'm, I think you point to goals like that to just show that you know actually you know we're not too worried about people you know you can put as many defenders back if you want we've got the attacking talent to go through. In City's penultimate game against West Ham and they were absolutely relentless in the first half before they, they, they Aston scored. Villa. Uh, sorry against West uh, against Aston Villa I was going for West Ham again there. <laughs> <laughs> and what they what they did brilliantly was, and, and they've done it all season, is play those fantastic balls inside the full-backs, reverse passes. Uh, David Silva's been really excellent at that. And they've always had full-backs, uh, or, or just people on the wide going outside and getting balls pulled back. We do less of that because, we're, you know, we play slightly differently. But that was certainly one example of where we showed we can actually do that just as well as, any, uh, just as, well as City and certainly better than most sides in the Premier League. OK, John Gibbons, number 16. Is the uh, away moments coming free up at Palace? It's, it's quite easy to be down thinking about Palace, but this is best moments of the season. And for that moment, I guess we've just got to remember how good it felt. You know, we'd gone to really tough ground. You know, got one nil up at half time, played well, and then came out second half ready to explode. And it was, it was, it was tremendous for the first 20 yeah, minutes of the second um, half. It's it's a lovely ball by Sterling, just just showing how much he's come on as a footballer. It was you know almost telepathic. You know Suarez knew where he was going to put it. Sterling knew exactly where he wanted to. It's it's a really nice finish, and he grabbed the ball and ran back. And just for that moment, everyone, no matter where you were watching it in the ground or at home, thought 
it this was... is it. They're all thinking this is it. You know, pull the goals back, put pressure on. What happened after that? Happened after that. But that that was a great moment. It was it was the most unbridled anything's ever been for me. I mean, it was in, in terms of football. Football. I think people, you know, often now, Mike, when people criticise modern football and they call it safe and they they try to act like it was a little dull, it felt like all of our madness, all of our unbridledness. It had been coming up to this moment when suddenly you thought. They, they are this outrageous, you know. Yeah. Not just the goal; the goal itself was fantastic. It was great to see. You felt it; it killed the game. And unfortunately, what, what as, as John says, what to follow followed. But all I remember, all I remember, when I was watching it was was I watched it in a I was watching it in a pub. You two were at the ground, and I, I remember in the pub, basically the pub was split into two groups of people. One camp of people were causing absolute bedlam and going bananas about the fact that he's got the ball. So much noise, so much racket. And the other group of people, even though they were Liverpool supporters, were utterly horrified <laughs> by the debauched scenes that had suddenly just sort of kicked <laughs> off as though they couldn't get, quite get their heads around this. And that was it. That was the way in which the entire the entire room fell into. You know, in the ground, it must have been, and John's discussed previously, the noise at Selhurst Park. You know, it, it must have been bedlam. It was. I mean, it, that was actually the moment that I ventured from my position standing in the aisle onto one of the seats that weren't taken at the at that particular time. Um, you know, it was just it was it was it was one of the the, the best let offs of the season, basically. But um, I think there's there's been a lot of revisionism, hasn't there, in in the wake of what happened afterwards? But at that particular moment, we we were going for for four and five and six. We lost it later on at three one. Never never mind three nil. We lost it at three one when we were a little bit too a, a bit I, naive, basically. I thought I actually thought we, I thought we were punched out by about seventy. I remember thinking they look punched. This is what happened. If you go hell for leather, and they hadn't been going quite as hell for leather first half, they were trying to reach. But second yeah. half, they'd gone absolutely absolutely hell for leather and for me they looked punched out on 70 because they'd been that desperate when it was between the the, the third and 70 minutes which yeah. was still a 14 minute gap to go and get the next one that's it and and you've got to you've also got to remember that the third goal the one that we're talking about here came hot on the heels of the second goal so there was that momentum wasn't there and the crowd the crowd was massively up for it um and you know, just in general terms as well, what an incredible atmosphere there was at that game from both from both ends. Crystal Palace's fans have been a, a breath of fresh air. It's a bit choreographed and everything, but you know, they're a damn sight better than most crowds in the Premier League. Okay, then number fifteen, uh, Mike Nevin. Uh, fifteen. So this is the. It's not the penalty save that Mignolet makes against Stoke. It's the it's the noise after the clearance from the corner that resulted from the penalty save because I mean it was a it was a brilliant moment, it was a brilliant double save, wasn't it? But you couldn't relax, could you? You just couldn't relax. And uh, uh, it was only at the point when we, we made the clearance from the corner that the cra- the ground. Was in. It was one of my favourite words. This tumult. It was. It was in, <laughs> it, the ground was in tumult, <laughs> and you know, I, I think it, it. It. It sort of set the scene for the rest of the season. That didn't it? It did. Yeah. It was. It was. It was a great roar. A great unexpected roar. It must have felt great to head that away. It was Gerard, wasn't it? Yeah. Who heads it away? And uh, uh, Gerard's brilliant at defending corners, by the way. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? Then he, he sort of lays into everyone and then punches a few. <laughs> few. <other laughs> <players as well. laughs> Yeah, goes was, in the crowd, lifts someone up. Yeah, it, it was, it, it was, it was boss. I think there were a few fellas in the main stand who actually got woke up by that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Uh, oh, season started, has it? Um, okay, next one, number fourteen, John Gibbons. <laughs> well, it's a pub moment. This. You remember this one, Gibbo? I was all right at this point. It's um, Manchester United awake. We were all in New York. We watched it there. We did um, commentary on the game in a bar just under the Empire State Building, which was which was an interesting concept. And then, um, but yeah, it was it was it was it was a fantastic day. It was early. 
yeah, it was stupidly early, and we forget, I think, when we watch the great these games here in the UK, that the supporters getting up at, at, at ridiculous times to watch some of these matches, and not just getting up, but also absolutely putting the ale away, uh, as happened to us when we were in New when we were in New York City there for the, for the Man United game. My favourite bit still remains, and I can't do it in its entirety because there was foul language. But well, on the train on the way there, when uh, Mr. Nevin in front of me and uh, Martin Fitzgerald began to have a conversation about how many points ahead of Everton we were, and uh, they, they got a tirade from you about the fact that they, uh, from you, John, about the fact that they just had to sort their heads out. I'm still furious with them. I know, I was absolutely, it was, it was so ridiculous as to how far we felt we were ahead of them and that they started all this sort of stuff. And then as we were walking, as we were walking out, and Mike didn't hear this, you just turned to me, John turned to me and went, I can't be having with these two for 90 minutes. No, man, I was a jibbing wreck for that game. But just just on a, you know, a technicality here, we were actually debating whether we were, in, were eight points in front with the same games played or... Whether Everton forget had a game forget your technicality. You were concerned about it. Still didn't want to. Still uh, didn't want to wear it at no, that point. Number thirteen, Mike Nevin. Uh, thirteen. So uh, Suarez's uh, goal to put us two 0 up at Norwich, and another uh, lovely goal at the Cardiff goal. It's, it's a lovely goal. Um, I, I wasn't sure why you put this one in, but I think you know if, if I'm reading between your lines here, I, I'm saying that this is probably this is the the high point of the season, isn't it? This is this is the point where you know going two 0 up. We only had the four games to play. Uh, we've beaten City. We've beaten City, you know, the, and the, the bookmakers had had us at odds of uh, one to six to win the league, and uh, you know this this was the point of no return really, and you know it's tragic that we never quite got there. But I, I was in the pub for this one, and uh, you know, the scenes when we went when we went two 0 up were, were just something to behold and you know as I say it's very sad that we never quite got there but what a moment it's something for the also again to we've just mentioned overseas supporters I actually think again overseas supporters don't appreciate entirely John lads had to get up at 4am to get to Norwich for new for, for worse the coaches were leaving at 4 the coaches were leaving at 4 you had to get up at 3 o'clock it takes on a, it takes driving 6 hours to get to Norwich if you're anywhere in continental Europe and you fly into Liverpool John Lennon airport and then go from Liverpool John Lennon airport and go to the ground mm. that's quicker than it is going Liverpool to Norwich it's mainly because of crazy road systems Systems. It's no one saying it's a huge, ridiculous distance, but that's how big a journey it is, isn't it, John? And for those those who were there, for the, to mid, have seen for the those... midday kickoff, you know, fair play to them. I just think I, the reason I put that in was I think I think it was it was great because first of all, Raheem Sterling was absolutely brilliant, and it, you know he kicked on again. He scored the first goal, creates the second, and Suarez just adores him at that moment, mm-hmm. doesn't he? When he's put that in, but also I think it was it, what what really pleased me about it was. Everyone was everyone was kind of losing their heads before the game, and you know, talking about what people had done on the Saturday, and you know other other results and things like that, and oh, how are the players going to react? And they just went two 0 up, like it was the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. And people talk about oh, did Liverpool bottle it, or did Liverpool lose their heads, or they'd have lost at Norwich if they were bottling it. Exactly, you don't go two 0 up after what was it, 10, 15 minutes. You know, you you start cages. They just started like, yeah, this we'll just go and win. It's fine. You know what I mean? And then they got, you know, we got nervy late on, but that was because, you know, Norwich played well and blah, blah, blah. And I just think that that showed, you know, with, with what was it, four games left and they went and, went and did that. That just showed that they just they just had ultimate belief. Okay, yeah. then. And, and, you know, looking at next season as well, that, that's the type of thing that you've, you've got to sort of hang your hat on and think, you know, if it comes down to the wire next season, then they have got the mental strength to go and do something like that again. Okay, then number 12. Uh, I think who did I make say this now? John, John Gibbons, number yes, 12. Yes, the fourth goal against Arsenal after just 20 minutes, Daniel Sturridge. This is, this would have probably been my number one, although, you know, you put him in any order you like, Neil, you're the boss. But uh, <laughs> this probably would have been my number one because this was like, the of an insane season, of a spectacular season, this was the most, oh my God, what on earth is going on? What is this team capable of? We could be 9-0 up by half-time. 
you know, you just you just you, you just don't know what to expect. At that point, you're like, this team could just do anything now, absolutely anything. I mean, we could have had six or seven by then. You know, there's been you know fantastic other shots, great other chances, but we'd actually torn them apart. Arsenal's defensive record was the best in the Premier League up to that point, yeah. and we just and it uh, wasn't afterwards. They were top, and we just we just mullered them just from the start and they just looked shell-shocked I felt for those Arsenal fans and well a little bit I didn't really actually <laughs> but you know but 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 Sturridge just just looks I think Sturridge just is, is, a, is a fantastic man when he scored as well he's just bursting and he puffs his chest out and you know he's just like yeah look what I just did look I, at, love, it, I love it when he scores look at look, look at all these lads look what we can do Mike it was massive wasn't it it was brilliant and it was a great goal because it was the way he opened his body out as well that just in one movement of actually just letting the ball run across him and he just gets a tiny touch on the ball as well before side foot, side footing it into the net and it made the goal made the goal look massive the, yeah, the little the little shape that he did before actually stroking it in made the goal look huge what i particularly enjoyed about it was just it was a wet day it was you know it was it was february i think wasn't it um, yeah. there were so many people on the backsides at the back of the cop in the <laughs> in the aisles it was untrue i was pulling people up <laughs> <laughs> okay and uh, number 11 is almost a complicated one it was there what was going on at the boss mag stuff especially jordan henderson songs jordan henderson's back heels the young lads going their ways the old fellas losing their heads mike nevin <clears throat> right there's not enough jordan henderson songs is there or oh, there's not enough singing of jordan henderson songs yeah I, i've been to a couple of the uh the boss mag lads uh sort of after match events one of which was after arsenal actually and this is the first time that i sort of heard this uh, here's to you, Jordan Henderson yeah. song. Uh, it's a famous song. Does Jordan know? Because I don't think he knows. Because it's not on the ground yet. Does Jordan know how much these lads and I number myself amongst them? How much we love him? I think. You think I think he needs to know for next season because that that could be the extra three points that we need. Um, absolutely brilliant event, but you know the the whole um, sort of culture of the young lads going to the away games. Yeah. There's not only, not enough young people in the ground. These lads have been fantastic away from home. And just on on the Henderson song, if you Google, here's to you, right, on Google, Jordan Henderson comes up before Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's <laughs> terrific to know, and that is indeed all you do know. John, it is fantastic, the atmosphere you're at the, at the, at the aways. And around the city, I think generally, I think that this, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in part three, but it really stemmed, I think, a lot of it from, from, from what Boss were doing. From what Boss were doing, from what the lads from 1906 Bayon Cop are doing yeah. as well, it's taking ownership of the, of the fan base really, and and kind of realizing that it's 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 always been like the young lads who give everyone a kick up the bum really, and I'm sure that's all kind of always been the case. And yeah. you know, rather than sort of you know moaning about the atmosphere, actually you know trying to do something about it and making football fun as well, and that's what you know like Boss has always been about, and that's what the the 1906 Bayon Cop lads have been about, you know, making it fun, doing things, you know, arranging things, and and just just making Making sure there's this pride in supporting the football club and making sure they they know that we're there to support them. And I think I think it's the, the spy on cop lads have had a huge impact on this season, and I can only applaud them. Okay, then Africa, oh yay! After this, this is uh, this is the City Talk one five point nine. We're counting down. This is the Anfield Wrap. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk one oh five point nine. I've got no idea what was happening amongst that travel. This is City Talk 105.9. This is the Anfield Wrap. I've got Carlos, Carlos looking rueful to my left. Uh, we're joined now, though, very, very kindly by Paul Tahaney from Africa OEA. Uh, if you don't know about Africa OEA, and you must do if you're in the city of Liverpool, it's the UK's largest free celebration of African music. But it's also, it's frankly, it's in Liverpool city centre. It's been going since 1992. Uh, Paul, you've been there for 15 years. In the 15 years you've been there, yes. in the 15 years you've been there, I mean, it's gone from, I'm not just saying this because you're here. Yeah. I mean, in 15 years, it's gone from strength to strength. It's a huge, huge occasion. Yeah, definitely. When I first 
started with the organisation. Um, it was kind of seen as this kind of left field, a bit strange kind of festival that used to get like a load of hippies, maybe about 200 of them, uh, who were probably still loyal and I'm, I'm thankful for them being there. But um, it's grown and it's kind of crossed over to the mainstream now and you're getting, you know, young people going, old people. It's a real cross-section of cultures, people from social back backgrounds, basically the world in one park, to coin a phrase. Um, so, yeah, we're delighted. And it's in Sefton Park every single year. It's not, never moved from there. It's, you know, it's, it's, it, it's been going now, as I said, for as long as it has done in the park. I've been. I think we've all been in the room. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it's uh, just just to pull the room in, John. I think it's it's. I I go and the best thing about it, and we'll, we'll go to pull this in a second. You never know what to expect. It's mm-hmm. mad as a box of frogs, and you're about to eat something fantastic. Yeah. And that's my entire <laughs> outlook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're gonna hear something fantastic. You're gonna eat something fantastic. Yeah. It's really odd because I almost it's the festival I try to go to with knowing absolutely nothing, John. Mm. Well, no, you, you the, the music's from all over, and you know, there's just kind of from tries to pull it from all over Africa. There's, there's, there's UK artists with African influences, Caribbean stuff as well. And, you know, as it, yeah, often you don't know too much about the, the artists, but but it, it's kind of great fun to watch. There's loads of people dancing. And, yeah, the food, you can get some good chicken. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you can get food from all over the world there, actually. Um, we, we try to, even as an African music festival, we just try to invite as many food organisations as possible. It's one of the key things, Paul, is that it's free. It remains free. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really big deal. Yeah, and it's been really difficult, and it still is difficult. You know, we've um, you know we've had a big recession, which we seem to be touch wood coming out of now. Um, but funding hasn't been as prevalent as it used yeah. to be. Believe it or not, back when I started, we probably had more funding for the festival then really? than we do now. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm not casting any aspersions at of anybody. Course. It's just the way of the world. And obviously, we've had to in our time start generating our own income. Um, through the traders and through merchandising and collections to keep it free because that's the whole essence of the festival. There's plenty of other festivals that you go to and you pay big money. I mean, the lineup that we put on, although that people might not know them as household names, if they were playing at another festival, they'd be uh, in a good slot. They'd be a good slot, and they'd be getting, you know, people would pay a lot of money to go and see them. So I'll yeah. blitz through the lineup very, very quickly. Uh, Finley Quay, Jupiter and Aquas, um International, Misty mm. and Roots. Mm. Uh, I know Misty and Roots, Wahara, Cuba, I think I know them as well. Mm. Hajj Madagascar, uh, mm. Homage to Magul featuring uh, Phyrexia Fisker. I'm glad I'm doing this, John. That's <laughs> very good. Joe Driscoll. Me. Joe Driscoll and, and Seku Kuwaiti, uh, mm. Mosey Fan Fan. Abdullah Samba and uh, Mini Jirabi and uh, Abdul uh, TJ's Rakoto. Wow, it's, very good. Was that all right? Excellent, mate. I'm glad <laughs> you've done it. Saved me a job. Um, Get him on the day to announce yeah. it's, very, it's very cheap. New MC. You'll <laughs> do it for some chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think we've established that. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know, these these are you know significant acts in the field. I've heard of three or four of them. You know, I'm not going to pretend I've, I've heard of them all. Of but this is the big deal, isn't it? You know, it's it it's getting the very best music that you can get to put in front of these people to say you know this is exactly how broad your horizons can be and i think that's quite a liverpool thing in a sense in that you know the city at times people can can say it's a bit parochial but if you put something on for these people they will go mad for it you're exactly right there i think that um i think you find that liverpool people you know i've been here for 15 years as, as i alluded to earlier but what i loved about the city when i first came here is its love of creativity its love of music it's love of everyone's quite eclectic as well. There's, you know, yeah. they 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 look at something and they listen to it and they think, you know, I might I might actually be able to learn from that and bring it into what I'm doing. You know, it's mm. not sort of oh, what's that weird thing over there. It's kind of like you know, embracing it, embracing the culture, which is uh, which is fantastic. I think that's a big deal. I'm, I'm, I, you know, John. I think that across the board, we do this stuff almost almost too easily. You know, it it feels to me like the city's not. 
I almost feel like we don't make enough, a big enough deal of this. I mean, I, I, I don't like a sense of triumphalism about the place, but this thing that we managed to do for free, that people like Paul work on and do for free, he won the Git Award this year as an inspiration, and, and that's that's the the least he should be looking at, really. It is, it is inspiration is the right word, because it, it's inspirational that, that a group of people have been able to get this and, and start it from something very small that just used to happen in town and to grow into what now? I mean, what kind of numbers do you get over the weekend now? Well, we actually got a license for uh, 20,000 a day now, yeah. and, and we usually and get it, close yeah, to that. It's not, but it's not we've, far, we've had though. more. We've had more than that in the past. But don't don't say yeah. <laughs> no, but actually, I think uh, with the Lymph, the Liverpool International yeah. Music uh, Festival, we've got kind of similar license to them now. So we've got like a, a mm. provision for more for for more numbers this year, which is great. But it's an event that everyone everyone looks forward to, and, and it's the kind of event that the, the Liverpool seems to do really well. But but Africa is always a real special one. I think it's I think it's important that it's still. And I think a few years ago it was. It was looking tricky whether it was going to Definitely. be able to keep it free and, yeah. and whether it was maybe going to happen at all. But I think it's a real important event in Liverpool. You know, when you when when there's so much going on, there's so much kind of nonsense break right, between some media circles. You know, trying to kind of divide us and trying to pit us against each other and, and trying to you know round immigration. I think I think stuff like this that really shows you know the strength of diversity and shows the beauty of diversity and shows kind of you know. How we how we can celebrate each other and how life's just a little bit more interesting yeah. if you know if you if you kind of you know look into different things then I think I think I think it, it's really important for that sense. Well, I have friends that come up from London and they absolutely can't believe it because in London, if we had a festival like that, a big free festival, twenty thousand people in a park, you know, there'd be a hell of a lot of police there and yeah, everybody'd be on edge, you know. Whereas here, it's like you know, we literally have. You know, hardly any police. They just have a presence. You know, mm. on I think the they periphery. Just come to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they do. They join in. You see them. You know, you know uh, dancing, eating the food. You know, I think they want to work on it so they can have a day out. Really, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody gets involved, and it's almost like become the OEA weekend. People put it in their calendar. It's yeah. part of the you know, the whole uh, festival or events calendar for the whole year in Liverpool, which I'm proud of, you know. Um, but obviously, it's the people that make it. And the weather. You'd take this, wouldn't you? If oh, I offered I, you this right now, I, you'd take I'd it. I'd take it, mate, you know. <laughs> uh, deal or no deal, it's a definite deal. Yeah, with us, you know, it's not with us, it's with everyone who's doing outdoor events. Of course. You know, you work all work hard all year and you're <laughs> at the mercy of the weather. No matter how brilliantly you do your job yeah. or how badly... At the end of the day, the, the weather kind of dictates how things are going to go. But what's actually helped over the years is that people now, back in the old days, I think I can remember one of my first ones in Sefton Park, it poured down with rain and everybody just ran. You know, <laughs> I mean, literally like it was war or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK then. But that was when we wasn't really established. But now it's like people sort of come with tents. They yeah. come with like, they just come prepared at, like they were going to Glastow. It's like a Glastow warm up or something, you know. <laughs> Um, so that's that's nice. It's nice now that the weather. In fact, probably the fact that we had bad weather has helped us now. Because if it was sunny all along, and now all of a sudden we're going to have uh, bad weather, then people might not be as prepared. So. But everyone, everyone knows what they're doing. They know what they're packing. Well, thanks so much for coming in, Paul. You say it's no a Glasgow warm up. It's the weekend before. It's Saturday the twenty first, Saturday uh, Sunday the twenty second of June. It will be fantastic. It, I, I'm not going to read the lineup again, even though I did so wonderfully. <laughs> it's Finley Quay. I can't wait to see Finley Quay. That's yeah. one of my favourite albums. I'm having a strike of the last twenty years. Seven it's album. brilliant and uh, you know to, to see him to see him perform it in my garden <laughs> it's in the middle of the world cup as well so there should be oh like, that's the nice atmosphere people as well. be well and yeah. truly into the idea they're going <laughs> yeah, out yeah. they'll feel very continental yeah, 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 yeah they feel ridiculously continental it will be fantastic Africa yeah. OEA then it's Saturday the 21st and Sunday the 22nd if you listen to the podcast of this we're going to play some music in the break of uh, of one of the acts that's on there I think we're probably going to play another couple of things in the run up to it as well we're going to keep talking about it loads of you come over and they come to the city uh, listening to this uh, during the season uh, 
Um, if you're looking to get a bit of a summer break, if you want to come to Liverpool whilst whilst those matches aren't coming, if you can, if you've got the money or you can get your permission, uh, whether you're male or female, from your partner to get over, bring them and bring them to Africa. Oh, yeah, it won't get any better than that. And I'm convinced by the weather anyway. Paul, thanks for coming in. Thank uh, you. After the break, we're going to do the rest of the moments if we've got time. City Talk 105.9. This is the Anfield Wrap. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. Talking about other stuff there, the Anfield Rap City Talk 105.9. Listen, read the Anfield Rap magazine. Listen, uh, me and Gibbo have got a book, a book coming out uh, with guest writers like Mr. Mike Nevin in front of us discussing how fantastic this season has been. All that's going to be available for you, and we'll talk about it more. We're also going to do a serious, uh, semi serious at least, uh, review of the season that'll be out in the Anfield Rap. Should be out on Monday. Um, and then we're also going to do some transfer fun as well. That's all coming up. But we've got 10 more of these things to do. Uh, the clock is ticking ever so slightly. So, number 10, Mr. John Gibbons. It's Henderson's winner against Swansea. I loved this goal. I, I said at the time it was more of a try than a goal, and I think it was <laughs> like if ever, if ever the cops sucked a goal in, it was it was this one. It was you know it was it was when when pressure tells really that we, we weren't creating brilliant chances. We weren't you know attacking fantastically but we were we were putting pressure on we were applying the pressure and something was going to tell and 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 it did with it with jordan bounding through across the line um practically ended up in the cop yeah touching down just in touch yeah and uh, and then uh, and then yes slinging himself in the net or something there was loads of dancing around on the cop during the season but that one was it it was more of like a a proper clenched fist celebration it was sort of yes yeah we needed that and uh yeah it sort of it, it, it gave us uh, new wind in our sails, didn't it, for the rest of the uh, the running? Certainly did. Okay, then number nine, Mike Nevin. It's storage against Stoke. Um, I suppose there's two things to this, isn't it? It's the impact that he uh, he came off the bench, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and injury. he goes on that mazy run, puts Suarez in for for one goal. Suarez scores brilliantly, but it's got to be the it's got to be the ridiculous goal that he scores. It's the keep you up on the, on the goal line. Yeah, I mean, the only the only goal that I can um, the it reminds me of is Robbie Fowler's third one against Arsenal all those years years ago where he sort of drags the ball mm. back from the touchline. But it wasn't quite as outrageous. Fowler's one wasn't as outrageous as, as what um, Sturridge did there. It was absolutely brilliant. And it was the high point of the of the third kit, which I thought was bonkers, especially, <laughs> especially the socks. Which you were modelling uh, on Sunday. I, I had them on on Sunday, yeah. Uh, tucked into me jeans madly for a bit. <laughs> not, not all day, everyone. Um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it, was, it was a fantastic piece of skill. And I think it, so it, it indicates that the level of ability and vision that Sturridge has got that Hopefully we look forward to seeing more of next year. Yeah, he scored eight in a row. It, that was the first right. of eight in a row. Yeah, it's number one. It is. I mean, Max Sullivan's on it there, John. But it's the reason why, and the reason why I include it in front of the other storage goal actually is because it it it, it just feels like a unique goal. Uh, you know, I can't I can I can't think of anything else anyone's ever done in the football match that's like it. That's resulted in it going in the back of the net. There was that stuff with the American, uh, sorry, the Brazilian fella that used to dribble it on his head, knocking around about five years ago. It was sort of that level of craziness. Yeah, they've only never scored in a game like that. No, exactly. It was it was lashing down as well. Yeah. By the way, it wasn't. It's not. It's not that there's a time in a place and that felt like very much not it but it was just a, he was just thought oh I'm just going to do this and then score and it, I think the foul of third is, is a really good comparison actually because it was like someone just with supreme confidence just like it doesn't really matter what anyone else is doing I'll just do this is the easiest way for me to kick it in the goal so I'm just going to do that okay then number eight John number eight uh, Suarez hitting the post against Arsenal it should have been the best goal ever of all time was it 2-0 then was it only 1-0 I think it was 2-0 yeah, yeah it was it was the best shot I've ever seen I was right behind the line of it and the bend on it was ridiculous and it looked like it was going in for all the world and 
I I could hear the clank of the post from about 150 yards away. <laughs> it's still shaking. It, it was absolutely brilliant, and it, it, it's the it's the sort it's the nearly moment of the season. Absolutely superb. Uh, in the same game, uh, Henderson missed a great goal uh, when Coutinho ghosted past three and then threaded the ball ridiculously to him. And Henderson could have took a touch, but I think because of the aesthetic, yeah. he felt he had to strike it yeah. first time. Uh, we were four 0 up, I think, at that point, or maybe even five. Um, uh, number seven, Mike Nevin. Just the, the Goodison derby. Um, I mean, it, it was the game of the season. I mean, do you? I think it's the game of the season. I'm walking around saying that was the game of the season. Yeah, without without question, because um, you know, from from our point of view, we we didn't. I didn't think we played that well on the day. Um, we showed a lot of battling qualities, and we did well, really well, to get a point right at the end. And and Everton were fantastic. I think you know a lot a lot's been spoken about Everton's style of play this season. Um, but it was it was never more evident in that game. With you know, for, for large parts of the game, they passed us off the. Park. I mean, Mignolet had an absolutely outstanding game in, uh, that day. Probably his best game of the season. He made f- saves from about four or five one on one. Terrific one from Yeah, brilliant. I mean, he, he, he was outstanding. He had to be. Um, but at the same time, Liverpool scored. When Suarez's free kick was outrageous, Sturridge's header was brilliant. Um, and as I say, we, we weren't great in that game, but 3 3, what a derby. And I think everyone came out of the game just saying, what a fantastic game of football. Yeah, I thought they were great, Everton. I thought it was. I was really impressed by them and about how how quickly they 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 adapted to what yeah. um, what their manager wanted to do, which shows the good players, intelligent players. I mean, you know, he's had he's had some nice bits of luck with the, with the players he kind of ended up with on on deadline day. But you know, I think in terms of how he got them playing and they were they were great with the ball. If you, they didn't care if you harried them, they always looked like you know they, they were comfortable. They harried us. They they rushed us, and I, I thought I thought they were. They, they might have been the best team we played all year, to be honest. With yeah, you. yeah, and it, it was one of the it was one of the games where Barkley announced himself really on the sort of the Premier League stage, if you like. Where and I think Evertonians and a few of us had seen him play really well previously, but certainly that game he came to prominence. Oh, okay, then uh, number six, John Gibbons. Just Anfield on the running. Um, you've put rediscovering its love of the team, the feel around the city, the friendships. Just kind of everything. Everything is part of it, really, and how. how you know just how much how much fun the whole thing was really i I loved how much everyone got into it. I loved how it be, everything became a day, and it was like countdown. <laughs> it was countdown to to Liverpool. How many days is it till the Liverpool game? And you know, people who who can't get tickets, you know, who who aren't, who aren't fortunate enough to go either for money or just because you just couldn't get tickets. But 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 just just kind of didn't didn't take that as oh well, I'm not part of. I'll this. stay home. Yeah, it was yeah. like well, you know, we'll we'll just you know. We'll go all go to town and we'll create this other community. You know, so many people coming from elsewhere just to be in Liverpool for this time because they knew it was special, and that was an, an amazing scene to see people queuing to get into pubs round Anfield to watch games for the last couple of games of the season. Is is you know it's bonkers. I've never seen that before. Um, I agree with all of that, and I think you know for, for me what what's really important about it is that it signified the end of all the divisions that came from Hicks Definitely. and Gillette. It's put that to bed and you know the, the fan base is united again and that's you know that's critically important looking you know forward to next season and beyond and the other thing that it's, a division that it's sort of gone is the idea of the divide between the, those who those who are going and those who aren't as well and that began to come through that every, anyone could come and be part of the party and i think that's really important and it's important for the city and uh, number five mike Number five is uh, Sturridge's lob against Everton. So having admitted that maybe Everton got the better of us at uh, Goodison in the 3-3, they definitely didn't at Anfield. And that, that, that lob, I mean, it's probably the best goal of the season. It's it's just, 
it's it's imaginative. It's the way it's the way he sort of almost turns his back uh, to to the to the goal before and sort of assesses where he is in relation to the pitch and the goal creates and well effectively sort of works out the angle that's needed and then puts the exact amount of trajectory on the ball to have it bounce into the roof of the net and there's nothing better than seeing a ball bounce into the roof of the net to go 3-0 up against Everton in a really critical game I'm having that and then stand there stare down the Evertonians and drive around town in your white car the next day (laughs) Uh, just wanted them to know what time it was number number four John it's it's Sterling's goal versus Man City at at the cop end it was it, it's a remarkable goal, really. You know, there was so much tension going into that game. You know, that felt like the big, the big one at that point. You know, okay, this, you know, we've been on a great run, but this is going really going to see where where we are. They've got the best squad in in the league. You know, but are they ready for us? The atmosphere before the game was was one of the best I've ever known, certainly for a yeah. league game. Yeah. In terms of, you know, we we went in early, and you know, the, the cop was full already. You know, people had, you know, God knows what time some of those lads had got there. But but just the way we started, you know, we we. we could have scored before that but Sterling just his composure and just the, the fact that you know he, to find time there and to not to panic or just lash it just think I'll oh, just find a little angle and then end up, ends up just stroking it in like like it's just no bother at all and yeah it was some celebration it was a great celebration there's lads moving everywhere they're still sliding <laughs> yeah I mean and I'd said all season that there hadn't really been a defining moment to the campaign at, at the cop end a lot of all the, the great goals and, and performances we talked about were at the, at the Annie Rose end first half first half and that was the only time that we got switched around in, in the entire season and there was loads of talk about blowing teams away but this was Man City and we were blowing them away indeed oh, okay next one Mike yeah, so this is uh, Suarez's hat-trick. Uh, well, it actually wasn't a hat-trick. It was four goals against Norwich. I mean, the, the word I used to describe the, the, the you know the sort of quadruple was beautiful because they were all so different. There was the outrageous sort of lob. Well, it was more of a, it was a lob that he battered. Uh, then there was the dead improvised second, which he sort of flicked in with the back of his heel from a corner. Then there was the one the where he, third. the third one where he, he, I couldn't really work out what was going on at the time. <laughs> I really couldn't. Um, he seemed to have lost the ball, but he, what he was doing was lobbing it over the defender and then recalibrating his sights and then doing a sort of a Dalgleish type finish into the far corner. And then there's the uh, the fourth one, which is one one of his trademark curling free kicks. Why not? Why don't you do that as well, John? What's number two? It's it's Flanagan's goal at Spurs. It it was yeah just. We were talking about the man, sorry, the Arsenal game before, and about thinking we know we're four nil up here in twenty minutes. This team's capable of anything. That was another one of those moments, you know, when we'd gone to Tottenham. You know, concerns about the game. You know, good team. You know, meant to be battling for us and just to actually destroy them. But it just really showed that goal. I think the confidence that all the players have got in themselves, in their ability, in their technique. You know, the confidence he's got to, to kind of get in the box and you know not you know going gung-ho or whatever just choosing his moments well it's it's a lovely finish and he's just obviously just thrilled isn't he and you know went home and got, got a dominoes and watched it on match of the day what i what i loved about it was just how much rainwater fell off the crossbar when it went in <laughs> it's an absolutely fantastic image listen thanks for listening to the anfield app tonight thanks to it uh, thanks to paul for coming in thanks to john thanks to mike um what defines this season for me well there's many many things there's that feeling of belief there's how special it all was but there's the moment for me when when all looked like it might be lost when it looked like liverpool would stutter again after a big win against arsenal when it took a big man to step up and take an enormous penalty and then he took his top off and in front of the away supporters, Gerard spots up the ball. It's been torturous at times against Fulham tonight, but twice they've dug themselves out of a hole. They've got a new opportunity. 
to head back up to the northwest with three points. Gerard from the penalty spot, and he cuts it in, left-hand side, beats the keeper, David Stockdale, and Liverpool have escaped from Craven Cottage with three points. Unbelievable this game has been. This is the Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9.